You can grab a seat. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Scott Halfwood. It's an honor to have you. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Merry Christmas, everybody. How we doing? Wonderful. Yeah. How we doing? Some of you still got shopping to do, right? All right. Very good. How many of you are done? Let me see your hands, honestly. Gosh, so jealous of you people. How many of you haven't started yet? Let me, oh, pray for you. Awesome. We are four days away from our, our Christmas Eve service, and we are five days away from the event uh, that changed all of human history when, uh, when God allowed his son to come in a gift to us for all mankind. Uh, that's what we're celebrating. That's why we're here. That's why we adore him. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but uh, it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. There are moments where you're like, man, you know what? This, this really is. It's fun. It's exciting. I love the tree. I love the smell of the tree. You know, we got a fake tree this year. We get some of that spray and it smells like new. Anyway, it smells like real. Uh, but, but the reality is it's supposed to be one of the best times of the year, yet it's, it's some of the hardest sometimes for many of us. And there's a lot of reasons that, 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 we, that we battle that. This season is tough because it's over-commercialized. There's always, you know, me, 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 buy this, you know, it's, you know, Christmas shopping starts like, you know, right after Easter, Black Easter, I'm not sure if that's what they're going to eventually call it, but, but the reality is we just, we just commercialize and we think it's about gifts and all these different things, and, and if we're not careful, we miss it. And what's interesting in this time is that Christmas ends up being, you know, we have these high lofty expectations for it. And yet, there, then there's also reality, right? I mean, it just is. I mean, there's, there's these high expectations of what we want or what we think or what it's going to be like, and then there's reality. And, it, and it, you, just, you just name the list, whatever it is. I mean, there's all these things that we go, you know what, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. You know, some of you, you, you wanted to take your kids this year to, to, to take them to sit them on Santa's lap, and it was going to be a great idea, and you bathed them, you put clothes on them, they matched, and, and then when, they, when you try to put them on, on Santa's lap, they're screaming their heads off, and you just want this picture just to be able to give away to people or put it up in your house, and it's horrific. I got a couple pictures uh, of, of just Santa's lap fails, all right? That's what these are. The first one is this, all right? Check it out. This is one. Uh, it's... it's, it's Stranger danger, I'm about to, to, to let it out. Please get me off this man's lap. You know, that's the first one. Second one is this. It's full out panic. That's what that is. Get me off of this man, this creepy man. Uh, and then there's, you know, you thought if, if you just put two on his lap, you know, it'd be okay. But same result. That's the reality, all right? They look nice, though. And then we thought, you know, we'll get all three. You know, the Bible says, you know, two won't be, in the, uh, you know, overpowered. Or three, three, th- a quarter of three strands is not easily broken. Here's the same result. Here it is, all three. Except for that guy. He's, he's happy, but he's further away. And that Santa is super creepy. All right, I think that's his real hair. But anyway, and, and it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? I mean, just, it's, it's supposed to be, but yet it's such a struggle for it to be. Uh, there's expectations and then there's reality. Maybe you've been expecting this, this gift. Maybe you, you wanted this gift. Maybe when you were 16, you thought, you know, my parents are going to surprise me with the car. It's going to be awesome. And they, they nowhere close to that. Or they got you this Hot Wheels car, and you're like, this is awesome. I just want to go in my room and cry, you know, flush this thing down the toilet, whatever. But, but there's this, these ideas of we're going to get these gifts, whatever that gift is. And then, you know, you open it up, and it's dental floss from your grandma. You're like, awesome, grandma. Thank you. Merry Christmas. You know, there's, there's expectations, and then there's reality. Jimmy Fallon does this uh, game every week on his show. It's called the Hashtag Game, and he did this hashtag la- last week called Worst Gift Ever, and I just want to share a couple of them with you. This guy named Chuck said, my parents got me a Nintendo game. We don't even own a Nintendo. They told me to go out and play it at my friend's house, right? <laughs> hashtag Worst Gift Ever. Like two birds, one stone. Here's your gift. Get out of here. You know, we get some peace and quiet. Another one, one year my mom gave us calendars that were only good for one more week. Her response was, no wonder they're so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah? Worst gift ever. Enjoy those calendars with those cats on it. Uh, my grandma once wrapped 24 pairs of socks individually. By the 20th pair, my little brother was in tears, right? <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. You know, I don't know. Uh, my mother wanted to give me the extra plot in our family graveyard one year. She said the mo- they were expensive and I should be glad. Hashtag worst gift ever. Merry Christmas. I hope you don't die, but when you do, we got a place for you. Anyway, Kristen Rose, uh, she said, when I was six years old, my parents forgot that I asked for a baby doll, so they told me that it had been kidnapped and they gave me a ransom note. They're giving her the gift of therapy right there, you know? It's like, what? Oh my gosh. Oh, there's expectations and then there's reality. And it could be anything. Be trying to just go to the mall right now and trying to find a parking spot and wanting to lose your mind or trying to find the perfect gift for this person you care about and you constantly strike out. Or or maybe it's this idea that you're going to go and it's going to be an amazing family experience and it's an all-out throw-down Jerry Springer moment and you go, I can't believe I drove to go and and, and put myself in this situation. Anybody ever had a fist fight at their own family party? Okay, just me. All right, very good. All right, okay, very good. you know, or, or you rush around from one Christmas to the next. Maybe you got young kids and, and, you know, we haven't kind of figured out kind of a schedule. And you go from this Christmas party, hey, how's, how's everybody doing? You open up grist and then you, you put everybody in the car and then you run and do the same thing over and over again. Your kids are without a nap. They're losing their minds. You're losing your mind. You're like, this is Christmas. This is Christmas. Or maybe, maybe some of you, this is the first year without that person in your life that you've cared about and you've been with for a long time. Or maybe it's, it's having to, to, to walk through Christmas again without them, and it's difficult. And what's interesting is that if we're not careful, all the drama and stress and sadness and rushing around, here's what happens. We miss the magnitude of this very important holiday, this event, this event that changed everything. It's easy to miss the gift that God gave us in Christ through our Father. And if we're actually going to find joy... And enjoy this, this Christmas season. If we're going to do any of that, it has to, we have to go all the way back to the very first Christmas. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about this gift that God gave us. And if you're a Christ follower today, this will be a reminder. This will set the tone. Hopefully create some framework for what's going to happen in the next several weeks. Because here's the deal. You know this. You can't control what's going to happen. Circumstances, the craziness, the drama. You can't, but you can control you. And so hopefully this will reframe a little bit of kind of who we are and what we're walking into and the fact that, you know what, regardless of what happens, what I get, what happens, what goes on, you know what, God's given me a gift. And if you don't know Jesus, this is the gift. This is the present that he put out in the middle right in front of you today, and he invites you to take it. That's what we're going to talk about today. I want to give you four different titles or descriptions of this gift that God gave us in Christ. So if you've got your outlines, they're in the outline. This is really helpful if you're ADD. This is super helpful. Uh, I'm going to give you four different characteristics of this gift that God gave us in Jesus. The first one is this. The word is Messiah. Say Messiah. Messiah. Messiah is a word we don't use very often, but in that term in the first century, they knew exactly what it meant. They knew exactly what it was about. The word Messiah simply means anointed one, the promised deliverer, a savior or a liberator of people. And understanding in the first century that the Rome Romans had over, uh, overwhelmed that, had overtaken their country. And so all along they had heard all these predictions about that there was going to be this Messiah who was to come that would free the people. And all of a sudden he's here. 
And what's interesting is we don't use that term today, Messiah, but we, we think about it in terms of, you know, when our football uh, team goes down and we're looking for a new coach or our team's been bad for a long time and we get a number one draft pick or, uh, or, or we get a new CEO or uh, in this election season that we're in, we're, we have this Messiah complex that, that people want to kind of promote some person that's going to change everything, going to fix everything. Uh, even when we date, sometimes we date in the wrong way thinking that that person's going to change everything and then we make them in this Messiah spot, they have a Messiah complex and things get crazy. They just do. And sometimes even for maybe a season or terms or maybe even a couple of years in your marriage or maybe even a couple of years in the presidency, everything looks good, but the reality is all Messiahs fail to deliver except one. Except one. The Bible says that there were shepherds in their fields and they were herding these sheep and it was late at night, it was really dark, and all of a sudden this host of angels you know, just kind of envelops the sky and they begin to share this announcement with them. And it says this in Luke 2, 10 and 11, it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I love that. Underline that. I bring you good news. Underline that. That will cause great joy. Underline that for all people. Circle the word all. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There's a ton of things that jump off the page from that just that simple passage. Jesus is announced to the lowliest of people on the social scale, shepherds. Shepherds weren't viewed as important. They weren't looked at as, as esteemed, but yet the angels come and, and, and shared it with them. Key word translation in this is that God is for everybody. This news is for everyone, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, what your life has looked like, how many mistakes you've made. This news is for you. The Messiah has come. And they knew exactly what the angels meant. They, they had grown up in, in temples. They had heard the rabbis teach. They had heard about the prophets who said, hey, one day, one day, one day. And these, these angels are saying, today. It's not one day. It's, it's today. This is good news that will cause great joy. Not happiness, but joy for all people. Jesus, uh, in the midst of his, his, his ministry time, when he was in his 30s, uh, he was walking around, he would teach, he would talk about the kingdom, he would heal all these people, he would do all these miracles. Well, there was a conversation he had with his disciples, and he asked this question, who do they say that I am? Who are these people? What are they saying about me? And, and the disciples said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say you know, a prophet. And then Jesus looked at them and said, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up in Matthew 16, 16. He said, you are the Christ or the word Messiah. You are the, 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 the true and living God. The word Christ in the Hebrew is, is the word Messiah. The word Christ is the word that we use when someone gives their life to Christ. So we, we ask them the question, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Most of you, before you were baptized, you, you maybe said these words, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. Messiah means deliverer. Deliver for what? From sin, from pain, from the shame, from the stuff of our past, from anything that we've ever gone through. He wants to deliver us both now and for all eternity. He's a rescuer. He came on a rescue mission for you, for me, to release us from all the stuff that has weighed us down, that has broken our hearts so that we can walk with him. In a world in complete disarray, he's a Messiah, and he's come. Second name, Today that we're talking about in this gift is the word, it's the word's Prince of Peace. 
Maybe you've heard that word. Maybe you've seen that word in Scripture. Maybe you've sang that word before. It's the Prince of Peace. Isaiah was a prophet that was, that was talking, about, talking about God and, and for God to people. He talked about Jesus 700 years before Jesus would ever come and, and, and be born of a virgin uh, in, a, in, a, in a humble uh, stable. He said these words, Isaiah 9, 6, for, for to us a son is born. A child is born to us, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. He will be called, underline these, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Jesus is the author of peace. And not just like the absence of war, but, but peace, as in peace when you go to sleep at night, as in peace when we think about one day when we die, peace when we're able to look at God one day face to face. We have peace with God. You see, there's a lot of people walking around on the planet with some bad information. They think that God doesn't love them, doesn't like them, doesn't care for them, and could, could no way, under no circumstances, forgive them. Maybe that's the whispers of the enemy, or maybe that's your own toxic thoughts, or maybe that's inaccurate insight from, from legalistic Christians or churches. But the scriptures are really clear that he came to give us peace. Because Jesus' death on a cross was the substitute for our sins so that we could have peace with God. I love what Romans 5, 1 and 2 says. It says this, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Underline that. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not because of anything you've done. You're not going to work your way into heaven or work your way into good standing. It's a gift through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now, underline this word, stand. We have to shrink in the corner be, you know, not sure, does God love me, he loves me not, you know, is, it, is this a good day, does God really care about me? No, 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 we can stand in this grace knowing that, you know what, what Jesus has done for us is done, it's complete. All we had to do was trust him and give our lives to him. In a world full of rage and abuse and oppression and racism and addiction and massive shootings and ISIS running around rampant and, and terrorism everywhere, including our country, fallout and wreckage from all kinds of really bad decisions, a world that's spinning out of control. God's saying, hey, listen, I've given you my son, and he wants to do way more than just forgive you of your sins and give you this ticket into heaven one day when you die. He wants to give you his peace. God wants to give you his peace now in this season and forever. I love what Jesus said in, in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that you, in me you might have peace. In this world, the world that we're living in, 2,000 years ago, now, and however long it is before he comes back. In this world, you will have trouble. Then he says, but take heart, take courage. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. So, so some of you have had a really difficult season for you. It's just been tough. It's been a hard, hard year. And the reality is God's going, hey, listen, I want to walk beside you, and I want to shower you. I want to comfort you. I want to envelop you with my peace. I love this. Paul said these words in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't do anything out of anxiety, uh, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Give everything to him. And it says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. doesn't make sense. Yes, those circumstances are still there. Yes, there's hard times all around me, but it's peace that passes all understanding is available, and it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. See, we are promised hard times. You know that. Scriptures tell us that. But God says, I've given you my son, and my son is here to give you his peace. And it's a peace that guards our hearts and our minds, always if we allow him to. God's peace will guard our hearts and our minds. And, and, and these words are written from a guy named Paul 
who was actually in prison when he wrote these words because of his stance, because of his belief, because of his passion, because of his desire to preach about Jesus. He's actually in prison because of that. Can you imagine as, as these early uh, readers from these new churches and these new believers picked up this letter and saw this from Paul? Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Trust him. Give everything to him. And his peace will transcend anything that you go through, anything that goes on in your life. Third name for us today, and this is a great name. It's the word Emmanuel. Emmanuel. We, we live on a planet that has over 7 billion people. I mean, people everywhere, everywhere you go. And in fact, you see more people now, it feels like, than ever before because of the season. The, the roads are crazy. The stores are packed. There's all kinds of people everywhere. Yet, there's so many people on the planet that feel so very alone. Alone. This, this season, some of you will feel more alone than you've ever felt in your life. Some of you feel alone in your marriage. Some of you feel alone in your, in your divorce. Some of you feel alone in your family. Some of you feel alone at school. Some of you feel alone even at your work. You may have a bunch of social media friends on Facebook or followers on Twitter or Instagram, but the reality is if, you, if the truth were known and you wouldn't say this out loud, you feel alone. And God came to, to, to do away with our aloneness. See, some of you, you lost a loved one. I talked about that earlier today, and you feel isolated and alone. Some of you, because of the sin in your life or because of the guilt of some of the, the past decisions, you feel alone in that, and you feel like you can't recover. Some of you are being tempted on every side, and temptation is just eating your lunch, and you feel all alone. Some of you have been in this church for a little while, and you still, even though you're surrounded by people, you still feel very, very alone. Some of you battle relational, emotional, and financial and spiritual failure, and you just feel alone. You feel like you're in this all by yourself. And you would never raise your hand and go, that's me. But the truth is, that's how you feel. I love this. Matthew one twenty three. it says this. The Virgin Mary would conceive and give birth to a son, and they would call him Emmanuel. And write this down. God with us. God sent Jesus, not so that he would be out there somewhere, but that he would be amongst us and with us and for us. It means that even when we feel alone, it means that we're not alone. It means even when we feel like a failure, we're not a failure, not because of anything that we are or because of what we've done, but because of who God is and because of what God has done for us. God loved us so much that he literally split time in half from A.D. to B.C., B.C. to A.D., so that we could experience him for who he is. Not just so that we could go to heaven one day, but so that God would walk with us and guide us and be our friend. We're not alone. Psalm 46, 1, I love, this, I love this whole psalm. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Ever-present is the key word there. He is ever-present. He is always present. He is omnipresent. He is always with us. And I don't know about you, but when trouble comes, sometimes it shakes the very fiber of what I really believe. And I go, yeah, I know God's with me when things are good, but when things are bad, sometimes I'm not sure if God is actually with me and, and walking beside me. But the reality is I, I'm beginning to learn that, you know what, my circumstances do not define, don't alter his character or, 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 or his promises. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. God is good in my past. He is good in my present. He will be good tomorrow and every day until the last day. God is always good. In the midst of a crazy holiday, when, when, when things are all over the place, God wants to be a refuge for you. He wants to be your strength. A refuge, which just means a place where we can run and hide. It's a place that's safe. A refuge, a place where we can find strength. That's the reality. Emmanuel is God with us. God with 
you. He's with you. I love this verse in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. It says, never, never. It's clear, it's emphatic, it's complete, it's conclusive. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, what the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? God promises that he's, he's, he's with us and he's for us. No matter what goes on, no matter what happens, no matter what happens tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, God is promised he's never going to leave you. He's always going to walk with you. Some of you need to hear this today, that God is for you. I've said it a couple of times, and sometimes we, we think, well, God, you know, is out there, and yeah, I hear he's with me, but he's actually for you. He's for your best. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He's here for you. He wants to guide you and help you and guard and protect you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to, he wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you to know that no matter what you go through, whatever comes your way, rejection, broken promises, betrayal, divorce, addiction, depression, hard times, whatever it is, he's not going anywhere. He is locked in to your life. You are not alone. Messiah, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. The last name, Savior. Savior. One of the primary reasons for the very first Christmas that happened 2,000 years ago was because God the Father wanted to send a Savior to the world. To do what? To save them, to rescue them from what? From their sin, from what? The penalty of sin, which is separation from God for all eternity so that we would never have to experience the wrath of God because that would be put on Jesus not long after he was born. You see, in their day, there was a sacrificial system. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you kind of know this. It's called the Day of Atonement. All these people, you know, a couple times a year, once a year, they would go and they would bring their, their new animal or their new lamb or sheep or goat, depending on what they could afford, and they would bring it to the temple. And then they would, they would, they would then begin to transmit their sins or the sins of their family onto this animal. They'd bring the sheep in. You know, God, this is our sins. We're putting them all on him. And then they would take a knife and they would cut this animal's throat and all the blood would pour out because sin had to be atoned for. Death had to be... Uh, taken care of so that sin could be uh, repaid. That's what happened. They would do that every year. And the reality is they had to do it every year because it wasn't in and of itself an atonement for all times. And so all of a sudden you've got this this sacrificial system that's found in the Old Testament, but there's this idea of what is to come, this perfect Lamb of God that would come and live among us and sacrifice himself, lay down his life so that we could be forgiven and free. And that's Jesus in the form of a baby. Luke 2, it says this. But the angel said to them, again, I'm, I'm, re- I'm reminding you of this, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There have been all kinds of prophecies and predictions about where he would come, where he would be born, how he would be born, what would happen in his life, how he would die. And Jesus is finally here. Today in the town of David, which was Bethlehem, a Savior's been born. And Jesus would grow up, become a teenager, become a man, would live as a carpenter, would give us this picture of what God is like. Colossians 2 talks about he's the, he's the image of the invisible God. And then he would start his public ministry. He would be baptized. He would 
go and teach. He would perform all these miracles. He would teach people about God and, and, and his heart for them and that, that he's come to rescue them and, and what it means to live actually in the kingdom of God. That's the reality. And after three and a half years, Jesus would then willingly go into Jerusalem, be betrayed and arrested, and go through this mockery of a trial, be declared guilty unjustly. He would be beaten and whipped beyond recognition and then be nailed to a bloodstained cross. Redemption. The book of Hebrews talks about Jesus, who was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It says this in Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the, the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins, meaning forever. Verse 12. But our high priest offers himself to God as a single sacrifice for our sins, good for all time. It says this, then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. There he awaits his enemies to be humbled and made a footstool under his feet. Verse 14, for by that one offering forever, people are made perfect, those who are being made holy. You can't have Christmas without Easter. You can't fully, truly understand this gift without understanding that this baby became a man and this, this man became this amazing teacher and this man who was, a, who was not just a man but also the son of God would go and live a perfect life and die uh, in, in the place of imperfect people. You, me, everyone that you'll ever lock eyes with because he loves us. That's the reality. Jesus became the perfect lamb of God who would willingly lay down his life so that we could be rescued and redeemed and forgiven. Why? That's the big question. Why? Answer, because God wanted you to know how much he loves you. Why? Because God was doing away with the sacrificial system. No more go to the sheep store, bring them over to the temple to sacrifice, and do it all over again and again and again. It's one time, once and for all, for all time. Why? Because God is holy. And because his people are not. And because God hates sin, but loves us and was willing to allow his son, his only son, to die on a cross so that we wouldn't have to take the punishment or the wrath of God, so that we wouldn't have to spend one more moment apart from him forever. Why? Because Jesus is a savior. He is here to save. Save you, save me, every person on the planet, every person in your family, every person in your, work, in your workplace, every person in your school. He's the Savior. I love this little verse. It's Zephaniah 3, 17. It says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I love that. And I don't know if you caught this, but, but some of the terms that we talked about today are actually in this, this passage. It says this, The Lord your God is with you. That's Emmanuel. He will quiet you with his love. God is the Prince of Peace. He is mighty to save. God is a Savior. One of the songs that we sing around here, probably one of the, uh, my, my top ten songs of all times. I often think, I don't know if you ever think about this, think about your funeral. Maybe you go, I don't ever want to think about that. You're kind of weird. But the reality is, I think about my funeral, what might go on, what might happen. I think about some of the songs that I would want to be sung there. And this is one of those songs, Mighty to Save by Hillsong. And I love the words. It says this, Everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, 
the hope of nations. And I love the chorus. It just, it just drives. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and he conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus is mighty to save. He is enough for you. He's taken care of it all. He's done everything that needs to be done. He's died in our place. He took the death that we should have died. He took on the Father's wrath so that we could be rescued, redeemed, and healed, adopted into God's family. And one day when you die, you can spend all of eternity with your Creator forever. This is the gift that God's invited all of us to this very first Christmas and this Christmas today. Jesus is a Savior. He came to save you. For those of you in this room that know Christ, you've been walking with Jesus, you've given your life to Him. Can we just rest in that over the season? Can we just rest in the fact that, you know what, he's a Messiah that came for us. He's the anointed one that came. That we don't have to try to force our way or, or work our way or do religious things to earn our way into God's, God, God's welfare and freedom. He's already offered us this gift in Christ. We can recognize that he's the Prince of Peace, that regardless of what goes on, regardless of what we go through, regardless of what's going to happen or what is currently happening, the reality is we're in one of three places. We're either in the middle of a storm, come out of a storm, or we're headed for a storm. But the reality is God is going to be there for us. And sometimes he takes the storm away, and sometimes he says, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to to take your hand. I'm going to walk with you through it. He is the Prince of Peace. He's Emmanuel. He's with us. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but growing up, not going to church, I thought God was like somewhere way out there, like doing some really, really important things, running the universe, taking care of the the big people, the important people. And the reality is, as I read scripture, what I come to find out is, no, 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 he is for us. He is with us. He actually, if we give our lives to him, he, he lives in us and he'll guide us so that we can become the people that God longs for us to be. That's his heart for all of us today. And I love this verse of scripture. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Here's my question today for those of you who have never accepted Christ, you've never, never gone public with your faith, you've never been baptized. Why wouldn't you open up this gift? Why wouldn't you? That is the story. This is the story. This is the story of Christmas. This is the answer to the million-dollar question. What's the purpose of my existence? Why am I here? What happens to me when I die? Here is the reality. Jesus came in the form of a baby, put on flesh, humbled himself, lived an obedient life, died an obedient death, a death on a cross so that we could be forgiven. And as Philippians 2 says, at, at that name, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Here's the deal. Everyone will bow their knee and every tongue will confess either by force or by choice. And my heart for you, I know God's heart for you, is that it would be by choice, that you would choose him today. Today, right after we're done today at the YMCA, in fact, we're going to wrap up pretty, pretty quickly today. We're actually going to get out here a little early. Surprise, surprise. You're very welcome. Don't get used to it. But anyway, my gift to you. Uh, But here's the deal. We're going to wrap up. And then for those of you who are ready to make that decision, uh, we're going to head over to the YMCA. And if you want to talk about what it means to follow Jesus, you have questions about baptism, that type of thing, uh, then we would love for you to do that. We would love to celebrate this day with you. 
Just to give you some, you're going, hey, real quick, what is it? Here's the deal. Here's, here's why people do this, because they believe. They believe in Jesus. They, they believe not just in their head, but they believe with all that they are that he is who he said he is, that he is God that he is the king of kings, that he is Lord, and, and, and it's a person who, who longs for him to be leader of their life and savior, forgiver of all their sins. And in the middle of all of that, what they do is they actually do something called confession. And it's not like from a Catholic church where you sit in this room and you kind of open this thing and you talk to me about your, you, you don't have to do any of that. It's confessing, it's acknowledging, it's saying, you know what, I am making a vow today. I'm acknowledging that I need God. And when we say things like, I believe with all my heart, that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of the living God. He's my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. You're, you're acknowledging that, you know what, I want Jesus to be, to be my everything. I want him to be the number one thing in my life. That's what you're acknowledging. I need God. I'm desperate for God. I can't fix my life. I need God to do so. I need a rescuer. And he came in the form of Jesus that very first Christmas and today. And it's repentance. Repentance is just a big word that means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rethink the way that I live my life. I'm gonna, if I was going in this direction, whatever that direction was, I'm going to set my eyes and my sights on who God is, and I'm going to walk toward him. That's what it means. I'm laying that stuff down. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to be different. I, I, need an, I, I don't want just a second chance. I need a new life. That's why I love 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, right? New creation, the old gone. New has come. And then this idea of baptism. This idea of baptism is a, is a picture. It's a metaphor. It's an image of what Jesus did for us. Jesus, in fact, uh, to be, kick off his ministry, the very first thing that he does, he's baptized. His cousin John says, hey, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then Jesus would go down into the waters as, a, as an example for us and be baptized. Was it because he needed to? Absolutely not. Was it because he had sin in his life? Absolutely not. Because he wanted to show us this is what humility looks like. Romans 6 actually talks about this idea of what it means to, to, to this baptism is a metaphor of the cross, that, that when you're standing in the water, when I did when I was 17, 26 years ago, right, you're dying to yourself. You're saying, you know what, I don't want to live for me anymore. I'm not going to live the way that I always live. I want to live new. I want to be different. And then, you're, and then you're buried into water. Jesus was buried. And then three days later, he rose up. And what, what it's saying is in baptism, we're giving our lives to Christ, and we're being raised up in new, the newness of, of God, the newness of life. And then we just live our lives for him. Not because we're trying to earn anything, but because he's already given us this gift. You can't earn a gift. It's not a gift if it's got strings attached. We live our lives for him, not because we're worried about whether or not we're going to get into heaven one day or whether or not God's going to stop loving us. We, we live grateful lives because of what he's done for us. We're just grateful for the sacrifice. That's, that's Christianity, folks. And there's no other religion like it. We're not a religion. Religion is spelled D-O. You've got to do all these things to earn God's favor, to earn his love, to earn your way to heaven. It's not even true. The scriptures don't tell us that. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. What Jesus did on the cross, he said, it is finished to tell us that the work is complete. The only thing that you need to do is accept it. It would be the weirdest thing if you, if, if you came, got up on a Christmas morning and all these gifts were there and there's this one gift and, and it was for you and they're like, yeah, you got one more gift. And you're like, oh, really? That's cool. And you just went, yeah, I'm not going to open it. Like, what are you talking about? We, we got, Santa got this for you. You got to open it. I mean, it's important. I mean, you got you to open this gift. No, you know, I'm just not, not going to open it. That would be the weirdest thing ever. You know what's weirder than that? is that God offers us this gift in Jesus. It's right there, readily available. He's, he's wanting you. He longs for you to open it. 
for you to walk away. God's been pursuing you for a long time. God's heart for you is that you would know him, that you would know the grace and the depth of his love, the hope that you can have in him, not just in this life, but in the life to come. It's available to you today. I love what Peter writes, and I'll close with this. It's from the message. It says, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, and here it is, the best invitation we've ever received. God has invited you to accept his son on this Christmas weekend. There's no greater gift that you can give Jesus than your life. What do you do with this gift? What do you do with this invitation? What do you do with this event that changed all of human history? I believe that God's got a plan today for you. I believe that today could be the day of salvation for you. I believe that for some of you, you've been walking with Jesus. You just put off the step for whatever reason. You've been scared or afraid or whatever. We're going to the YMCA where the water is warm, and it's going to be awesome. We got, we're going to have plenty of time for you to go do that. If you want to go do that, please come and let me know or talk to our leadership today. We'd love to celebrate with you and celebrate what God's doing. For the rest of us in this room, look at me for a second. Do not allow the commercialization, the marginalization, the drama in your family, the drama in your home, what you don't have or what you do have, to rob you from what this event, what this really means for us. We should worship and celebrate, adore him for who he is and for what he's done. Merry Christmas, Gateway. I love you. It's an honor to get to do this. God's done some really amazing things this year. As I, I just was contemplating just where we've been and what we've done and what we've seen God do. It's been amazing, and I believe that the best is yet to come. And so as we, as we walk through the season of Christmas, I want to encourage you to, to just keep your eyes on Jesus, regardless of what goes on, what you encounter. Keep your eyes on him. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. If you're interested in taking that step today, come talk to me. Come talk to any of our leadership. We would love to celebrate with you. Let me close in prayer. I'll give you a couple quick announcements, and we'll get you out of here. And we're early. How about that? Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and it is such an honor to get to speak to you, God. Thank you so much for the gift that we have in Jesus that tells us that we can stand in this grace, that we can have confidence, not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that you've done for us. God, today could be a really special day for some people in this room. And God, for some of us in this room, we've put this off for a very long time. And so, Lord, I pray that if today's their day, that you would just give them courage and that we would go and we would swing over the YMCA and just celebrate new life. We'd celebrate obedience. We'd celebrate a commitment to follow you, a, an acknowledgement of, of I, I don't want to live any other way but for you and with you and allow you to live in me. God, thank you so much for Messiah and for Prince of Peace, and for Emmanuel, and for Savior. And God, you know what we need, and Lord, I pray that uh, maybe it's just one of those names today in our situation, or our home, and in our family, or in our marriages, or whatever in this break, I pray that we would cling to. Uh, God, we love you, and uh, we're amazed at this gift. And Lord, I pray that you would just have your way in this time, in this season, Lord, that you would allow us to shine for you, that we wouldn't get so lost in it that we couldn't shine a light and, and point others toward your love, that we would love well in spite of what we walk into, that we would be people full of love and full of grace. Um, we need you. We always have. We are desperate for you. We are a desperate people. Thank you, God, for a world that's spinning out of control, that you would come, that you would uh, begin to set things straight, and one day you will right every wrong, and one day everything will be made new. God, we look forward to that. 
but right now we rest in the fact of who you are and what you're doing. We trust you and we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.